This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Jacqueline Nguyen. And I'm Brad Lewis. We want to remind you that this program broadcasts from the rightful lands of the Tiwa people. We have an amazing program focused on the legislative session regarding education policy, the Dignity Not Detention Act, and Palestine. GJ's Barbara Ramirez speaks with Regis Pecos, former governor of Cochiti Pueblo, co-founder and co-director of Santa Fe Indian School Leadership Institute, and chief of staff for Representative Derek Lente about education in New Mexico. We also hear from Representative Derek Lente of District 65 about the Tribal Education Trust Fund and the importance of culturally relevant programs. We then highlight the Dignity Not Detention Act at the New Mexico Roundhouse. GJ members speak with Representative Pamela Herndon from District 28. Representative Deborah Sarignana from District 21 and Senator Harold Pope from District 23 about their stance on this important legislation. We also continue to share the messages to Palestinian journalists. Eve Nanez shares her letter to nine-year-old journalist Lama Chamus, who's currently reporting the genocide directly from Gaza. And it's Black History Month. We have an important community calendar. As the struggle for Black liberation continues, it is vital to honor the contributions of Black people in our country and their excellence. That's right. Let's kick off the night with a song, What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. Don't punish me with brutality. Talk to me so you can see. How has education changed since the Yazi Martinez lawsuit? That's a great question, Jackie. Here's Barbara Ramirez with an important education policy update. The Yazi Martinez case, initially filed in 2014 by a group of plaintiffs of the Yazi and Martinez families and advocates, affirmed that the state of New Mexico failed to provide adequate resources and opportunities for economically disadvantaged students, Native Americans, students with disabilities, and English learners. Today, I speak with Regis Peckles, Chief of Staff for Representative Derek Lente. Mr. Peckles is also former governor of Cochiti Pueblo and served on the traditional council for 35 years. He received his undergraduate degree from Princeton University and his graduate degree from UC Berkeley. He's also a graduate of the Senior Government Executive Program at the John F. Kennedy School at Harvard University. Mr. Peckles was the longest-serving chief executive of the New Mexico Office of Indian Affairs, a position he held for 16 years. Mr. Peckles, could you please tell us about the education bills that are being introduced in this 30-day session? Absolutely. One of the really important initiatives with Transform Education New Mexico is the introduction of House Bill 39. It is an effort to, one, invest in targeted areas to help with increasing the base budget of programs to address teacher shortages, educational leadership shortages, counselors, nurses, social workers, 
all of the areas that from K through 12 and in the larger statewide picture where we are now realizing the glaring shortages of human capital uh, with which in this case uh, funding in House Bill 39 to higher education programs without this targeted investment and funding it's not likely that we will have the human capital with which to respond to the crisis K through 12. The Tribal Education Trust Fund is another legislation introduced by Representative Lente, House Bill 134. That is an effort to provide for a sustainable revenue for tribes to begin looking at investing in community-based programs in language, culture, um, after-school programs, mentoring, tutoring, community-based education programs that help to provide for enriched opportunities for young Native students in their own communities that are not available in the schools that they attend, largely because these schools do not exist uh, in tribal communities. So that is a huge concept unprecedented in New Mexico and moving to create a hundred million dollar trust fund would be historic but it would speak volumes with regard to uh, the importance of tribes having the opportunity for the first time in history to have resources to invest in their own communities on behalf of their children. Thank you so much. Why is investing in education so important for our state? It is a necessary investment when we have the highest underachievement rates in the country that manifest into poverty, being one of the highest impoverished states in the country, that manifest into hunger, that manifest into the highest um, levels of health disparities that diminish the quality of life of our people, the cycles of violence that devastates individuals, families, and communities. And, and the, the saddest outcome is that we are among the highest in Native American suicide and Native American uh, young people are among the highest in New Mexico. So the compelling need for us to respond to this crisis is really a necessary part that has resulted from um, the landmark um, Yazi Martinez case. It is an important part of the need for our collective investment for the kind of collaboration to create opportunities uh, in building pathways to higher education so that young people become part of the capacity in our respective communities to one over time begin to look at closing the gap in education attainment, creating opportunities for employment so that they become self-sufficient that can lead to much healthier children and families and communities that diminishes the cycles of violence, breaking that cycle so that our communities are healthy, um, they're vibrant, and ultimately creating the opportunity in with young people to be hopeful in realizing how they can use the gifts they've been given as a way to contribute to their families and the communities that they come from. That's the hopeful 
passionate investment of time and energy on the part of many in this process is to to realize that as a um, ultimate outcome um, that would be in the best interest in um, being blessed with uh, reaching uh, those goals so that um, we all collectively contribute to uh, the place that we love, that we know is uh, the land of enchantment. Thank you so much for everything and for saying yes to this interview. It's always a pleasure to hear you talk about education in New Mexico and, and that vision that we have. I am also joined by Representative Derek Lente of District 65. Rio Arriba, Sandoval, and San Juan. Representative Lente earned his bachelor's degree in intercultural communications and English from the University of New Mexico and his Juris Doctorate from the University of New Mexico School of Law. Representative Lente is introducing the Tribal Education Trust Fund, or House Bill 164, a 100 million trust fund that seeks to create permanent sustainable revenue for tribal education departments to create community-based supports that will improve access to a better education in the communities where indigenous students live. Thank you for having me. Would you please tell us about some of the legislation that you're sponsoring in this 30-day session? Okay. Uh, the highlight one that I would say that we're sponsoring, that I'm sponsoring, and that's the Tribal Education Trust Fund Bill. And that is, the intent of that is to create a trust fund of $100 million dollars to go to help fund tribal programming within tribal communities. Now we know that uh, when we when we think about the public school system, federal school systems, federal policies and state policies as it relates to education, Native America, Native Americans and Native American New Mexico, uh, our children haven't been with the best of intents the ones that they've created those policies for. And so when you look at those uh, actions of simulation, when you look at the actions of how they're trying to uh, dictate what they feel is best for Native Native children to learn, what they've left out large and in part is what we need to know in regards to becoming not only just um, college and career ready, but to become civic ready for uh, the day that our younger generations take over our uh, respective communities. And that goes by way of understanding our own governmental structures and systems, understanding our languages, understanding our, our, our cultures. And so this programming that we're talking about that this trust fund establishes would help to go to programs like that within tribal communities that help promote and support before school activities, after school activities, uh, language programs, culturally relevant programming, and other things that the tribe itself sees fit to try to teach to its own youth. You mentioned uh, the importance of language and culturally appropriate programs. Why is it so important for young people and students to have that as they learn and, and prepare? As a Native individual myself, I was always taught that it's important to be job, college, and career ready, right? And I always knew that it was also important for me to always identify and be proud of and be able to continue our, our, our Native American and indigenous aspects of who we are as indigenous people. And so when we think about those types of things, that's really important because, again, I mean, uh, I'm at the age now where perhaps someday I will be fortunate enough to take on a leadership role within my own community. And the same comes with every single um, child and those that are yet to come 
that they too will eventually become the stewards of our communities and be expected to continue our traditions, continue our governance, and continue again what's most important is our language and culture and traditions so that we are not forgotten and erased, which I think was the ultimate plan uh, of action uh, when you look at the federal government policies of the past. Don't, don't think that, that these initiatives that I, that I do or that I help steward in this facility or in, in the Capitol building, I, I do it alone because I don't. I mean, we have the best of, of, of advocates out there uh, supporting our work. Uh, we have the best of advocates that truly this is a, is a grassroots level campaign that is based off of the interaction and the leadership of our tribal nations themselves. And they have been the most effective partners to be with. I don't stand in front of them, I stand with them as we look towards this type of social justice, in this case, educational justice and equity, because it's important to our communities. Thank you so much again, Representative Lente. Thank you. To learn more about House Bill 39, House Bill 164, or any other legislation, you can visit nmlegis.gov. Again, to learn about the legislations being introduced in this 30-day session, you can visit nmlegis.gov. L-E-G-I-S dot G-O-V. I'm Barbara Ramirez. Thank you for listening to this education policy update. Thank you, Governor Regis Pecos and Representative Lente for your great leadership and advocacy regarding education in our state of New Mexico. The work you both do will create positive education experiences for our youth of New Mexico. Now we bring you the song Reservation of Education by the Native American rock band Exit. In January, more than 150 New Mexicans gathered to talk to legislators about the importance of Senate Bill 145 in the fight for dignity, not detention. Eve Nanez, Itzayana Vanda, and my co-host Brad Lewis speak with Representative Pamela Herdon from District 28, Representative Deborah Sarignana of District 21, and Senator Harold Pope from District 23, regarding this legislation and further action to uphold the value of dignity rather than detention. We hope you enjoy this educational segment. This is Eve Nanez with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Representative Pamela Herndon. Welcome to Generation Justice. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? So I represent House District 28 in the Northeast Heights of Albuquerque, and I have been an advocate for women, for children, for families with children for a long time. And most recently, we've been fighting to make sure that individuals who are the victims of domestic violence or any type of violence, there is some resource and there is some help for them. We don't want people to be hurt forever. You know, after hearing a little bit about the Dignity Not Detention Act today, um, what is your stance on this legislation? This legislation is something that I absolutely support. 
I am very concerned about the way that we treat immigrants when they come to our state and to our country looking for a better life, and we don't want to make it worse. So one of the things that this piece of legislation will do will be to help lift up people who are considered immigrants now but may be on their way to citizenship within our country. We've heard of several human rights violations in these detention centers. Uh, how do you think this can be addressed? Hopefully, what we can do is put the right people in place. And one of the ways we can have the right people in place is not to have private uh, entities being responsible. So we need to have our governmental entities more responsible for taking care of immigrant populations when they come to this, to this state and to this country. It's important that we continue to recognize that children, whether they're immigrants or not, that they still have the right to read, to learn, and to have a comfortable, clean place to live. And the same with their parents or anyone else that brings them over here. Thank you so much, Representative Pamela Herndon, for speaking with me today and for supporting this legislation. For Generation Justice, I'm Eve Nanez. Hi, this is Italiana Banda with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Representative Deborah Serignana from District 21. Please tell us more about yourself. I represent House District 21 in Albuquerque. I was a former, I was Air Force computer programmer, and my last years were as a high school math teacher. So, um, been with kids all the time. I love working with kids, so. Thank you. Now that you heard what D&D is and a little bit of my story, can you tell us why D&D is important to New Mexico, please? Well, for the people who are here, after hearing your story about what it's like in the detention center, I believe we, we have an obligation to take care of the people that we are putting there. And as representatives, we need to make sure people are, are living in dignity and not, are not being abused. So that's our job. And there's enough, enough of a strong, you know, in the house, it's primarily women. And we tend to focus on what's wrong with things and fix them. That's what, it's our mother instinct, I think. And that's what we can do with this. Make sure we're out there looking at and helping with people who need it. Thank you. We heard of several human rights violations in detention centers. How do you think this can be addressed? First, like I asked you before, I think we should go as legislators go out and, and ask to actually tour the facility and see what's happening. Maybe, um, I'm not sure, I don't know how, how it works, but not, I'd like to surprise them and see what it look, really looks like versus being set up for us to come. But that's something we can work on here. Um, and finally, why do you support this bill? I'm a, a Hispanic. I, I, I just think there's a lot of things wrong with how they treat people. And I'm definitely in this position I have, I can do something about it. And that's what I want to do. Thank you so much um, for this interview, and thank you so much for having us over and for all the support. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you all for coming. This is Brad Lewis with Generation Justice. I'm speaking with Senator Harold Pope. Welcome to Generation Justice. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Can you talk to us more about the Dignity Not Detention Act? Once again, you know, just making sure that our counties and municipalities aren't, you know, getting contracts with ICE for once again, for folks that are coming here seeking asylum. Um, we need to be treating people the right way, and this is just not the way to do it. I've just heard stories of individuals that have been in these facilities um, not getting the right treatment, and in some cases doing harm to themselves because of the treatment, you know, feeling hopeless. And so we have to ensure that we take care of folks and treat people, as, as we're saying with this bill, treat them with dignity. What is your message to other legislators about why they should be supporting this legislation? You know, my message would be 
is how would you want your family treated? How would you want your friends treated? Um, I think this is not the way we treat people. And I think if anyone knew anyone in this position, they wouldn't want their friends or family treated in this manner. So um, we just have to not do this and change and make sure it doesn't happen to anybody else. That once again, they're here to seek asylum. These are not people that are criminals and they've done nothing wrong, but they're here to seek help. Can you tell us more about this session and what you are sponsoring? Just to remind everyone, this is a 30-day session. Um, so really, um, bills that uh, are in the 30-day session are have to be germane to either the budget, the tax, or the governor has to have a message. So that's why in these 30-day sessions, you'll see a lot of bills introduced, but not every one of them gets heard because the governor has to send a message. So I just want to keep folks in mind about that. Whereas a 60-day session, any legislator can bring any bill to the floor and, and have it introduced. A couple of the bills that I'm introducing this session, um, and two of them that actually have um, are germane, one of them is moving the uh, GRT tax holiday for school supplies. So, you know, every year right before school starts, you can kind of get uh, laptops that are not too expensive and school supplies are tax free. Well, we want to move that to um, a weekend before uh, late July, uh, because in some instances, school is starting earlier, right? We want to make sure folks can still get that tax-free holiday and get their supplies before school starts. Uh, another bill I'm running is um, we have a military retirement exemption where they don't, military retirees don't have to pay taxes on their military retirement. And so we did this in a way to up to $30,000 is tax-free um, and the rest is taxed but it's gonna give more of our lower income retirees in the military a tax break, you know, to kind of support their families. So um, that's something that I'm hoping to make permanent uh, this session. Another bill I'm looking at is an anti-hazing bill. We've seen what's happened at um, some of our universities where athletes have been harmed and abused by hazing incidents, right? And it's even happened in some of our high schools, right? People who play sports and they get abused. So uh, what we're looking at is really education to make sure folks know whether they're coaches, whether they're players, you don't do this to other people, but also let other people know like, this is not right and don't let other people do this to you or make you feel like you need to have this done to you to be a part of the organization, part of the team or part of the club. So. Um, that's a big bill to uh, anti-hazing. And so those are a few that I think that are gonna be germane. There's a few other bills that I've introduced, but I'm still waiting to see um, if we get a message from the governor. Uh, one is dealing with um, improving on housing to see what we can do as a state with housing. Um, and then another big one is a, f a fund that would, it's called solar grant fund. And we want to make sure to give our cities and counties and tribal entities, we want to give them grant funding that gives them money or money for planning to put rooftop solar on public buildings. So this wouldn't be on like personal homes or solar farms, but in cities where they have a fire station, right? They have a community center. They can get the money to put this on top of that public building and get clean renewable energy for that facility, saving that community money and you know, giving, providing clean energy. So those are a few things. Thank you, Senator Harold Pope, for your time in answering our questions and conducting this interview with me. Is there anything else you would like to add? I just uh, want to thank you for this opportunity to speak, and thanks for the great interview. For Generation Justice, I am Brad Lewis.
Thank you to Representative Pamela Herdon, Representative Deborah Sarignano, and Senator Harold Pope. Your work in advocating and fighting for our immigrants and ensuring they have quality basic needs is important. This next song is about immigrant empowerment. Here is Immigrants, We Get the Job Done by K9, Snow Thy Product, Riz MC, and Residente. We get the job done. Look how far I come. Look how far I come. Look how far I come. We get the job done. Look how far I come. Look how far I come. Look how far I come. Immigrants, we get the job done. The fight for a ceasefire in Gaza and the West Bank of Palestine is not over. Albuquerque poet laureate from 2012 to 2014, Hakeem Bellamy shares his message regarding this call. Please enjoy his poem, There is no polite way to demand a ceasefire. There is no polite way to demand a ceasefire, AKA not in our name, AKA quid pro no. After Claudine Gay. If you ask us, this is about babies. If you ask them, this is about bombs. All we want to do is make this about hugs. All they want to do is make this about arms. They say that it is so complicated, but we know that it isn't that hard for people of conscience with functioning hearts. If you ask us, peace is not the absence of war, just like freedom isn't only the absence of walls. They pretend this is about borders when we know it to be about sovereignty, but not the kind where one's prosperity is predicated upon another's poverty. If you ask them, it's about safety. If you ask us, it is about global superiority. If you ask them, it is about self-defense. If you ask us, it is about moral inferiority. If you ask them, this is about subhumans. If you ask us, this is about subtraction. There is no poem that will make Palestinian children safer tomorrow. There is no end of a war that will make Israeli parents feel safer than the beginning of the next, leaving no one safer than yesterday. There is no before that is better, that we can somehow blow our brains back to, no good old days to return to, only future to forge and find, not to fix, not even to forgive. So instead, we proliferate these prayers for relief as though it's the only thing we haven't tried. If you ask them, they are seeking justice. As if that legal term has ever meant anything less than compromise. Just plume after plume after plume. Perforating the holiest of grounds, chock full of mortars and caskets of comparable sizes, littering a broken promised land that no amount of retribution could ever resurrect those willing and unwilling to die for it. So if you really are asking us, we demand a permanent ceasefire to demonstrate that we are slightly more humanitarian than our tepid will to occasionally press the pause button on perpetual conflict, to Nakba never again, to desire security of coexistence rooted in competent and compassionate statesmanship rather than governing towards the most nightmarish of possibilities with absolute fear. We demand a way to send a message without sending weapons. We demand the right to question and disagree with the dis deployment of our siblings and tax dollars. We demand 
Our civic and elected leaders uphold our right to protected speech, the kind that cultivates sophisticated and responsible dialogue that is necessarily uncomfortable, but not rooted in hate. That for the very survival of our union in this country, the one in which I actually have a constitutional say, we demand that our educational spaces remain sacred, not just for the honest, curious, and evidence-based exchange of ideas, but for incubation of brand new ones and the world they alone make possible, where what we care to learn about is far less important than how we learn to care as future professionals, decision makers, and grown-ups without fear of reprisal. Thank you to Hakeem Bellamy for your courageous poem. Your words were inspiring and uplifting, and you encapsulate them in such a powerfully beautiful way. Now we bring you Stan by El Don, a song about Palestine. You came in, you broke in, you sent my sons to the ocean. Your G5s in my skyline, your tear gas in our noses. My family, it is broken. Your handout was a Trojan. Now I'm outside, cause your promised land was my home. Landmines in my living room. The only thing between me and hell is this concrete. The only thing between me and heaven's these drones. AMX on my lawn. Yeah. What I say to my sons when they hospitals have been bombed and the doctor saving them gone. Before we end our show, we continue the practice of honoring and sharing gratitude to the Palestinian journalists whose lives are on the line daily to share the truth with the world. Generation Justice Eve Nanyas shares a message to Palestine journalist Lama Abu Jamuz. Lama is only nine years old and she's been using her social media platforms to show the ongoing genocide and atrocities that the people of Gaza are experiencing. Hi, Lama. My name's, my name is Evangeline. I live in the United States and I'm an indigenous person from the Pueblo of Acoma here in New Mexico. It's a small village um, and my people have lived in this land since time immemorial. And we were here long before the European settlers came here, before they pushed us out of this land, before they massacred us, before they stole us from this land, before they stole the land from us. So I know that our experiences are different, but in some small way, I feel the pain that you and the Palestinian people are feeling. And I'm so sorry that that is what you're experiencing right now. I have, um, I have a little sister. Um, she's a little older than you, but um, every morning I get on my phone and I check my phone and see what 
what you've put out there in terms of the news of what's happening. And I check other journalists too and what they're saying, but when I look at your page and I see your content, I just can't help but think of my little sibling, my little sister, and I can't even begin to fathom the horror that people in Palestine are experiencing every day and the suffering. And so I just wanted to say thank you for being brave enough to document what's happening there and for sharing that with us and bringing us in in that way. And I want you to know that we are with you and the indigenous people here in the US stand with you and we'll never leave. We won't stop until Palestine is free and we will be with you all of the way. I pray daily for your safety and, and I hope that Allah gives you all the peace and security and safety to you and to the Palestinian people that you so deserve and that he watches over you. I am sending you all of my love and all of my strength. Thank you, Eve, for sharing such a heartfelt and emotional message with everyone. I relate to your message in so many ways. Hearing about how young journalist Lama is and how she stands up for her people, it's truly inspiring, and she is indeed a warrior. This next song is from 15-year-old MC Abdul, a rapper from Gaza. This is Let It Rain, a song he released in November of last year. So I do it for the world. It's me against the world. So I do it for the world. Hello, welcome back to another community calendar. Tonight, we share the events that uplift the achievements and contributions of our Black brothers and sisters throughout history. That's right. Starting with Black History Month exhibit at the National Museum of Nuclear Science and History from tomorrow, Monday, February 5th to the 14th. The exhibit will be available from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Honor, credit, and celebrate the massive impact and contributions that Black men and women have created on the scientific greatness and understanding that we have today through the lens of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. The museum is located at 601 Eubank Boulevard Southeast, and you can reach them for more information at 505-245-2137. Again, that's 505 245 
2137. The UNM Health Science Center's Office for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion is hosting a Black History Trivia event on Wednesday, February 21st from 6 to 7 p.m. Don't miss the celebration and competition all about the contributions and excellence of Black individuals leading to the healthcare practices today. To register for this event and learn more, call 505-272-2728. Again, that is 505-272-2728. That's it for our community calendar. Here's a song, Respect, by Aretha Franklin. Before we end our program, we'd like to remind you of a few important safety measures to keep you safe as the JN.1 COVID variant has become dominant across the world. The World Health Organization classifies JN.1 as a variant of interest in December and in January they stated that COVID-19 is still a global health threat. The CDC reported that over the last four weeks, hospitalization among all age groups increased by 200% for influenza 51% for COVID-19, and 60% for RSV. New Mexico was one of two states to see moderate increases in hospitalizations of more than 10%, according to the CDC. The most recent vaccines from Pfizer, Moderna, and Novavax are all expected to help lower the chances of serious illness or hospitalization from JN.1. If you are not up to date with your vaccines, visit vaccinenm.org. Again, that is vaccinenm.org. Schedule an appointment today to get your bivalent vaccine. Make sure you stay safe and protect your community by following COVID protocols. Don't forget to wash your hands frequently, wear a KN95 mask, and practice social distancing to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and other respiratory illnesses. Tune in next week for more vaccine equity and COVID updates. We hope you enjoyed this hour of community action. We'd like to thank our guests, Governor Regis Pecos, Representative Derek Lente, Representative Pamela Herdon, Representative Deborah Sarignano, Senator Harold Pope, Hakeem Bellamy, and Eve Nanez. Tonight's Hour of Radio was produced by Roberta Rayel and Barbara Ramirez. And thank you to our interviewers, Eve Nanez, Itzayana Banda, Barbara Ramirez, and myself, Brad Lewis. We want to give a big shout out to our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcast, which is also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We're also active on social media. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow our playlist on Spotify. Generation Justice is founded by the WK K-Log Foundation. 
with additional funding from the Annie E. Casey Foundation. The New Mexico Department of Health Infectious Disease Bureau through the Better Together Coalition. The McCune Foundation. As well as Media Justice, the Santa Fe Community Foundation, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. Our opening song is Youth of a Nation by P.O.D. Our last song of the night is Seize Fire by Adrian Mari Brown, performed by the Rise Choir Collective. I'm Brad Lewis. And I'm Jacqueline Wynn. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Good night, New Mexico. Good night. We breathe together. We breathe together. Stop the occupation. Free Palestine. Free Palestine. Free Palestine. Free Palestine. Stop the occupation.